Hi, I'm Nahi from RSVP and I'm here with Nosa and Fogel. And we are at RSVP recording another episode of Unit Economics. Hi everyone, uh, Nosa here. <laughs> okay, thanks Nosa Good for that intro. lively introduction. So, first time I met Nahi was in 2014. I don't know if it was the time I went to, came to RSVP for, for Christmas lunch. Which is another story it's only you can read about it on the blog 2014 and then a few weeks later we approached him to have the first ever labor drink labels lunch club here so then he told me a bit about his lebanese nigerian heritage so i want to segue something simple can you tell us a bit about that my background your background sure um i was raised uh, in lagos nigeria i was born in lebanon um raised in lagos nigeria from the mid 80s to around the late mid 90s, at which point I left to Lebanon, studied there, I did my high school in there, came back to Lagos in between in the interims, all the holidays, uh, you know, my family's here, so I tried coming back often. And then I went to London, studied there, I did my university there, and uh, I came, I worked with the family in Lagos, at which point I moved back to Lebanon, worked in hospitality because that's what I wanted to do, mm -hmm. and then I came back to Lagos and started my along with uh, my, my partner. So what's your family business in Nigeria? Is it in hospitality? Or no, no, far country? from it. Um, so there's a, a different, my, both sides of my family are here, mom mm -hmm. and dad. Um, so my mom and dad are, my mom's side of the family are more into fast moving consumer goods. Okay. And my father's into advertising, marketing, uh, branding, these kind of things. Okay. I mean, so, so it's no secret that there are many Lebanese Nigerians that in the hospitality business in, in Nigeria. So I'm curious to know what was your journey like into starting RSVP? Oh, absolutely. RSVP has been, has been something that's been in the works for a long time. I've, I've always wanted to be in this business and specifically in restaurants. And I had, I, I had and I still have a very clear vision of the type of restaurants that I love. Um, and so RSVP started before I even knew that I was going to do it. And I always imagined what uh, what, what, what my perfect restaurant would look like, what my guests would look like, what, what kind of cocktails we would serve, what kind of food we would serve, you know, all of the details. Um, so eventually it was, it was just a matter of, uh, you know, committing to it. And I was very fortunate that I found someone who believed in the dream and who said, you know what, let's, let's take a leap of faith and, and do it. And uh, who's my partner and my wife, Maya. And uh, basically she left a really good job the multinational back home and uh, she said you know let's do it and uh, we came here and, and we were fortunate that enough as well that the people around us uh, were very supportive whether it was family who, who were happy to to assist us when we needed the financial help because of course it's a, it's a big project or it were people who were offering advice or friends who've been here for a long time who could you know um, show us the, the ropes in certain aspects you know okay. some things are not very clear can't just go on www how to open a restaurant in Nigeria. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't work. So, yeah, so we were very lucky to have the, the right people around us as well, and, and it led to RSVP. So, what's really interesting, I guess, for us is when RSVP launched, you guys launched like a new wave of like different type of restaurants. So, like, there is pre RSVP where it was mostly like Chinese food. Everybody. And cactus and there's post RSVP where the different like how to put the backyard types start coming out. Um, People started paying more attention to the restaurant decor. Yeah. 
uh, and they started trying to be more intentional with absolutely. their menus and make it good not that doesn't mean that it was always good but they really just became more intentional and yeah. so so, the, so it was like a, a big phase like you like, didn't even have like proper restaurant launches then like nobody used to like send us invites to like their restaurants that they're launching so it was i think from you guys you guys didn't even have like a proper lunch you just open up actually that's part of our exactly. that's the way we do it we exactly. don't, we don't so, do the launching thing but so yeah. from and so i'm not sure if, if you noticed it but we noticed it is that they were like the restaurants we were visiting before we came to rsvp after rsvp everything changed so i guess for you guys it's, it's is there like any pressure like, as far as like exclusivity? <laughs> well, thank you for putting it that way. Um, I have to say that, I mean, I did grow up in Lagos, as I mentioned before, and, and I used to obviously go out to all the restaurants, the ones that you're talking about, and they were all good uh, at the time. And that was, I suppose, at that time was what was uh, what was needed and what was, you know, what people were appreciating. When, when we came to Lagos to do RSVP, there was a I, I never approached the hospitality industry as a business. It was something that if I don't do this, I don't know what else to do with my life. Um, and it, it was just a matter of just following what we believe to be correct, what we believe to be the right way to do things. And in our book, uh, we do believe that attention is in the, you know, the devil is in the details and you have to pay attention to all of these. And in service and in hospitality, especially if you're an experience-driven person, which is what we are as a company, and me personally, I'm very experience-driven, I think you need to think about how far can you go. So whether it's, you know, taking needlessly six weeks of testing out chairs just to make sure you have the right chair, or waiting for two months and delaying something because you need a specific tone of leather. It really makes a difference at the end of the day. And to answer your comment about what happened post RSVP, I think what RSVP did was it's a proof of concept. It showed people that, you know, you can push the boundaries and people appreciate it. Don't think that because it's not there yet means it doesn't, you know, it's, it doesn't belong. So I suppose it was just a new way of approaching the business. And, and, and so to answer your question directly, is there pressure? Every single day, every minute, I think this is one of the hardest jobs you can do. And I always tell the team that you know if something's not seriously wrong with you, you don't want to be in hospitality. If you're in this for money, that's not the right reason. If you're in it for fame and glory, look, if you're very lucky and you're the 0.001%, you might get that fame. But the only thing from it is to fill that that, that void in you, that passion that you need to feel like that's what I, I need to be complete. So speaking of pushing boundaries, I guess full side. Yes. Was that like, did you feel like you needed to do something? Was no, that the, the pool side was very difficult. Okay. I'd love to tell you that actually. Uh, uh, should, should yeah, yeah. So the, 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 the RSVP was a big part of what RSVP is inspired from is uh, Lower Manhattan. In New York, this was the design. This was what made us. This was you, and and I can show them to you in very little details, subtle details, even the, the, the frame that's behind you, the piping, the the, 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 the the tubes, the exposed ducting, these things. This all is very uh, nostalgic of the type of restaurants that we, my my partner and I, genuinely enjoy, which happened to be a lot of them happened to be in that city, and one of the things I love the most is I, I genuinely love a good bar, and I was adamant that 
we had to have a speakeasy type of bar that you don't know is there, but then when you see it, it's impressive. And actually, when we were looking for properties, RSVP was going to start off in Ikoi. The only reason we didn't take that plot, and it was a nice plot, the only reason was that the backside was actually too exposed, like you could see it. And I didn't want to build walls, I wanted to stick to something natural, and one thing led to another. Eventually, I found this place, and it led us to finding the poolside, which is actually, that, that was the entrance of the poolside. The way it is right now is how it was, and I just felt like... You know, so yeah, to do something. Yeah, so the idea has always been for me the perfect experience. You can't have dining without drinking, mm -hmm. and whether personally I like to have a drink, have dinner, and then if it's a Friday or a Saturday and I want to push push my night a little bit, I'd like to move somewhere, have another drink, maybe another table, not necessarily get in my car, go somewhere far, that kind of thing. And I I'm not into the very late night. Mm -hmm. So that's what the poolside is. It represents that. You know, you have dinner, whether whether it's late night, you can have dinner, then go outside, have a few drinks. But we close relatively early, we're not a club, you know, or you want some sunset uh, chilling environment, also the poolside offers that. So that's basically... It's that temptation then. So I, I'm just really, <laughs> what's really surprising me right now is that ISDP could have been in Ikoi because Ikoi has very, very, very terrible yes. restaurants. So maybe if ISDP was in Ikoi, Maybe other restaurants could have benefited from being close to RSVP and then maybe Ikoi would not be so sparse like it is today. Yeah, I mean, Ikoi, it's hard to operate in Ikoi, to be fair. And today, nowadays, there are some good restaurants uh, in, in Ikoi, and I, I've been to a few there. But the truth is that Ikoi is, is very... Uh, it's not as welcoming to businesses as, as VI is. VI mm -hmm. is a lot more, you know, if you can make it work, it'll work. In Ikoi, if you can make it work and your neighbor doesn't want you there, You're and gone. your neighbor, Ikoi, is not a neighbor you want to, you know, get on his bad side or her bad side. So it tends to be, it tends to be sticky, tricky, you know. Um, it's not easy to operate there, so. So, speaking of drink. Yes. Was there, was there ever, first, was there ever any temptation to become a club? Because... Once you see the drink money, sure. it's, it's very tempting. Yeah. Um, and the bar here, the bar here is good, so people are yeah. incentivized to, to spend. So we've temptation from my guest side. Yes, <laughs> I've been made a lot of offers to keep the hours running, going, and um, I, I I really believe it's fundamental for anyone, any business, to stay in line with the vision. Our vision for RSVP was never to be a club; it was a bar and a restaurant. So, you know, it says that outside, kitchen, bar, people, that's what we do. We are a kitchen, we are a bar, but we're not a club. At the end of the day, if you enjoy our drinks, uh, one of the things that you're enjoying is our ability to create those craft cocktails. It's our ability to pay attention to you and to, to enjoy the experience at the bar. And that's not necessarily the case in a club, or at least that wouldn't have fit our business model. So, to answer you in short, no, I personally never wanted to make this place a club. But like, the bar, it's like such a you know, like, it's very integral to like the entire RSVP like, experience. Like, how did you go about like building like your bar in this group? Like, was there like local talent, or sure. did you have to like create your own talent? So, one of the one of the most uh, vital things I think again is sticking to the vision. And the vision from the from the beginning has always been when I used to imagine the restaurant, as I was telling you earlier. You know, when I had this vision of the perfect restaurant in the background, there's really mm -hmm. good music, but there's also the sound of the Boston shaker going clack 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 clack. You can hear the ice in the mixing, and I think this this is as you said, it's integral. I don't want to have a restaurant without that the cocktail shaking on the bar. So 
Number one was we were adamant on having them. Number two was finding the right people and the right partners also because if you don't have the right spirits and the right uh, uh, mixes and the right, you know, all the ingredients that you need and, and equipment, it's almost impossible to do a good cocktail. So it took some time. Um, we brought in at the beginning when we first launched for a couple of years, we had a resident mixologist that was basically based here for two years. I think he was doing all the training and he was an award winner. Um, he trained everyone, including myself. Okay. Um, and then we hired a lot of local staff, absolutely local guys. That, I mean, all the bartenders today, when you come to them, they're all proudly Nigerian and we love yeah. that. Some of them have won uh, lots of competitions over the last few years and we support them 100% in that. So, yeah, there is there is a lot of local talent. So, is that like easy to find? Because I know. Yeah, I have something on that. And bartenders, the same thing as wait staff. RSVP has so many familiar faces. There's sure. particular bartender here. No bartender, um, wait, I've seen him here for the past five years. Oh, I don't yeah. know his name. Yeah. I always yeah. want to ask him for him. He but yeah, like, how have you gone about like retaining? The staff are so long. What's the secret sauce? The secret sauce, I think it's it's not a secret in the sense it's it's a, it's a combination of a few things. Number one, I think it's important to share the vision and to share your expectations from your staff and, and let them know what it is that you're trying to achieve, right? Um, number two, it's very important to share the glory as well. I've I've seen a lot of scenarios where you know new businesses, not necessarily just restaurants, but any business that opens and and, and is somewhat successful, it needs to be felt from up to down. It can't just be the owners benefiting, you know, whether it's financial, whether it's any perks of any kind. So sharing the glory, we share the pain together. You know, we just went through a very painful period, which I'm sure we're gonna get to at some point, which is you know, a wonderful topic of COVID-19. And and that was a painful experience and, and we lived it with them. We, we've been here for that. I haven't left it since December because I refuse. And and both Maya and I, we don't leave in Christmas because we know we all want to be Christmas with our families. We don't go home, we stay with the guys, and, you know. So you share the glory, you share the pain, you share the vision. Um, and then, you know, never give up on the team. Um, there's things that are going to happen that are going to be frustrating. There are things that you're going to feel like are unnecessary. But at the end of the day, if you're creating an environment where the collective well-being of everyone and the company is all in, in harmony, in sync to a certain extent, it becomes natural. The, the ones who are happy to stay and the ones that you're referring to that are here and they're around us now, they want to be here. You know, provided you can do what you need to do, they'll do that. So it, it becomes natural. So on that, I know many restaurant owners or many small business owners are like, oh, they don't want to invest in anyone, they don't want to train anyone because they're just going to leave them. And I don't agree with that because no. you would have to train them for them to be any good for you. What, what's your take? My take is it's our duty to train. That's it. It's as simple as that. It's our duty to train. At the end of the day, whether that person works for you for a month or for a year or for a day, that person did a job and you need that person to do a job in a certain way for your business. But also, I think it's it's critical. And I, 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 I feel like it's a responsibility when you're in hospitality because hospitality is a very... It's, it's evolving and I think we are at the cusp of something really great in Nigeria, particularly in Lagos I'm seeing, and I, I'm speaking about Lagos because I'm, I'm not very familiar with the rest of the country. Um, definitely, we are we are seeing a launch of a new type of restaurateurs in general, a new demand on hospitality, despite everything we just went through. There's still, there's still a need for something there. And the only way this will grow is by us all sharing our experiences you know, 
um, I'm giving the best, giving it our best shot. So to answer you in short, my answer is do what you have to do, train them, it's your duty. You know, if they decide to leave and they go on to greener pastures, so be it, you know. You know, you can't take that back, it's not a loss, it's never a loss. Makes sense. So how do you maintain, you maintain like a certain level of consistency? Sure. Like the customer service, the experience, like, what's that like? Because it's, it's not easy because you guys have been here for five, five and a half years. Yeah, five, yeah. yeah. November is our, we start our, six, it's our six. Six. Yeah. It's, it's very easy to fall off, man. To yeah, like sure. sure. So, like how it remained a priority. Yeah, how do you make that priority? It, it, it has to. It, it's uh, it's it's a lot of commitments on many levels. It's a lot of people agreeing that this is what needs to happen, um, and it, it starts from the top, I believe, and then it trickles, and it it just needs to be no compromise every single day. A friend of mine recently, he he became a friend, and he used to be our guest, he used to be a regular here, but now we see each other socially, and he mentioned something to me very very nice, and he was like, you know, you're the only place I knew though there are others for the record, but in his opinion, he was saying that you're the only place I knew that over the years you have not allowed people to smoke in the restaurant. And I feel like, and he, he was just saying how, what a wonderful thing that is. And my answer to that was, it's just no compromise. At the end of the day, if this is the right thing to do, you know, people, people are paying you a premium. People are expecting a value. People are coming for an experience. When you stop doing that, either you're cheating people up until a point where people realize you're cheating them and then it's over. So it's it's not a question of uh, of if you will do it. It's you have to do it. If you don't do it, then you're just yeah. So we're going to address the elephant in the room, which Go is coronavirus. Who? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's you that? don't know her? <laughs> Rona. So, yeah. so how has she affected your business, Miss Rona? First of all. For the sake of my personal well-being, I will not refer to Corona as a female. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they call her on the internet. Hey. On hey, they don't have to deal with what I have to do, you know. <laughs> no, all jokes aside, um, Corona was was a devastating blow to to the whole planet and especially to hospitality. I'm sure you guys, especially you guys, know what yeah. it's done here and what it's done abroad. It was a devastating time, and at the risk of sounding very cheesy. Um, but it's kind of my duty to always see the silver lining or be an optimist, uh, op opti optimist. Um, it made you, I think it, it made people realize what, what the important things are in life, what's valuable. I'm happy to see that what we offer is still considered valuable and is still considered somewhat, somewhat essential because that hasn't stopped even throughout the delivery days. But. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it affected us in every way imaginable. There's, there's no aspect of the business that would not hit like Corona. Because, I mean, we have like a friend that manages like a restaurant. And sure. One of like our first decisions was if you're not making money, how do you make staff? Like, how do you, like I can afford to go home and sit, but. Yeah, and my staff afford the same luxury. Yeah. That's, that was the, I think that was one of the hardest things to, to, to address, to face, uh, because that's a very true point. And in the case of, you know, now we have two restaurants and the other one being slow, which hasn't really opened yet. But 
in the case of RSVP, and I told this to the staff, the team, when we started again, when they came back, that the reason that for the last four and a half years we've all been we've all been on your back and we've all been telling you, you know, do this better and pushing you and pushing you and pushing you, was to create some some form of trust with our brand, right? Which is what you guys are talking about earlier. And this trust that we have is what allowed us to survive, what allowed people in times of a pandemic to still call us and trust us that we're going to send them good food, you know, clean for them and their kids. And with whatever little we have, whatever little we were able to make, we would share that with the team and try and to a, to a certain extent not let anyone go. And I'm proud to tell you that RSVP throughout the whole period was paying all the staff, 100% of our staff, not obviously those who were working on ground where you know, we, we broke it down into different tiers, but we were able to support every single member. So this is, I suppose, one of the benefits of working for a restaurant that's, you know, that's been doing well, that, that, that's thinking ahead a little bit. We had a little bit of safety net that we took care of despite the, everything that happened. That's fantastic and I think some, like the timing probably helped some restaurants because it came right after the December boom. So restaurants probably oh, so that's a good point. Yeah. Made, made a lot yeah. of money that they could also fall back on. That's a good point, definitely. But speaking about your second restaurant, Slow, we visited Slow, and like the week after we visited, it was like Corona happened. Yep. How did that feel for you as an owner having to close Slow? It was on the, on the come up. It's it's heart wrenching. Um, even now, as I'm talking to you, it's very emotional. It's, it's uh, regardless of up or down, I don't think anyone who loves restaurants ever wants to see the restaurant close. In my mind, RSVP will outlive me. I know that statistically restaurants don't do that, you know, but again, I'm an optimist and I want to believe that, you know, when I die, this is what I'm leaving behind. So seeing a place close down so viciously, not because of anything you've done, not because of any mishap, not because, you know, just close and close now and, and, and the way we were closed uh, that's a story for maybe another question or another day but the way we were closed was uh, we were forced to shut down two days before the official lockdown came up it was you know one of those things one of those scenarios even though slow nobody knew about it it had been only for 15 nights not even days so we should, they, we were forced by the authorities to shut down RSVP and then they went immediately to slow knowing and, you know, so we were shut down on a Saturday, lockdown happened on a Monday. So that was even more yeah, annoying. You're yeah, like, yeah, okay. so Why that's, not, that's not corona related. That, that was, that, well, it was because they were saying, you know, we're going into lockdown, so lockdown. Okay, okay, okay. Um, but then you would give you like a hint. No, 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 no. But then, you know, anyway, that's, like I said, it's a story for a different time. But to answer you directly, the, 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 it was a very painful thing. And, and especially when it came to the team, you know, we had to let everyone go. It wasn't something that. Uh, and your chef wasn't from like the head chef? No, the, the executive chef was a uh, French-American chef and our, our uh, manager was an Italian uh, gentleman. Um, yeah, we met, we met both. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, so I, I wasn't too concerned about them to be honest. I was more concerned about the local stuff that, yeah. you know. Uh, so I was, uh, it's, it's, uh, it was a very sad, sad moment for us. But, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll overcome that very soon. So is there reopening on the horizon? Absolutely, I and mean, that's what I'm doing every day. We're working on getting it back on, on track. Uh, we've we've got a new team, uh, a new management team that, that are coming in. Um, we're also going to start the process of rehiring as well as new hires because a lot of our staff that we hired for Slow now, I'm sure that 
know, some of them have found other jobs and whatnot. But uh, yeah, yeah, we're working on it. It's, it's, it's. Uh, I'm hoping in the next six to eight weeks we'll be ready. Hopefully, that's the plan. That, that's exciting. So six to eight weeks. I'm, I'm, and I'm holding you to that. <laughs> I'm I hope so. I'm, I'm I really hope so. <laughs> I'm, I'm holding you to that. So the next question is going to be about deliveries. Because mm-hmm. uh, you said there was before this, before we started, you said there was a plan. So I was going to ask that. Sure. How did you make that decision? Absolutely. Our RSVP when we part of the concept of RSVP was to 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 serve our neighborhood and to serve our guests. It was really about the serving aspect and about being fundamental to the lifestyle of your everyday person that lives in our area, frequents this area, whether you work or live you know, somewhere around us. And part of it, of course, to serve you is to, is to also make sure that we can reach you beyond our own reach. The dine-in experience is fundamental to us and it makes all the difference when you try something here and you're served by us and you get the cocktail and the music. It's the, it's the experience because Absolutely. I mean I've ordered the burger for delivery. It tastes great, but I still have to put the sauce myself, sure, and finish sure, it myself, sure, plate it on sure. a plate. But Absolutely. when I come to a restaurant, it's like yeah, yeah, brought yeah, right, right. The fries are nice and crunchy when they're here. As well. Yeah, but so to answer you, really, our it was always in the plan. It was always in the works. The only thing was that we wanted to create a menu that is designed just for delivery, which is what we've recently been able to do. But that's why we never launched before. We were too focused on, there's a lot of uh, culinary aspects on our menu that we've been working to achieve. And given the volume of work and the type of work we're in, we were so focused on dining that the takeaway kept saying, you know, we get there, we get there, we get there. So Corona kind of, you know, kicked us in the pants and we, we you know, got up you and did to it. make a run for it. Sure, we did it and it was positive and we're still running it. And, and you know, as a result, we're serving every day. Yeah, because I think that was one of the big things we like for like fine, like finer dining, like upscale, translating like, the experience in the restaurant to takeout is going to be very hard. Yeah, so uh-huh. I, I, I give you an example, like Talando, like the sizzling brownies, like you can't do that, you can't do takeout with that. Yeah. Yeah, we have a lot of items and like then, us that we can. And then some of my friends were like, oh, I would pay 6000 to eat the starter Irish people, but if they're bringing it to my house, I'm not paying for the, for the fancy restaurant. Why is it the price cheaper? But I, I don't think it works like that. Can you tell them why it doesn't work like that? Well, you know, uh, to a certain extent, there are certain options. Like there are places that you go to. Usually those tend to be cafes and, and, and leaning towards fast food and fast food, where the dine-in, is a little bit more expensive than the, than the takeout. So I can understand the, the thought behind that. That being said, um, in, in our environment, you know, the, everything from produce to, to your day-to-day expenses are very high. It's, it's, not, an, it's not easy to create uh, high quality product, food in our environment, you know? So our cost is kind of pegged at a certain a certain limit that we can't really go below. So yes, it's true that you're not paying for the for this for the waiter serving you that, that experience. But the truth is, when you come here, we don't charge you a service charge like many other restaurants do. We don't add a service charge to tipping is completely at your own uh, discretion. Um, so even when you do come and dine, the way it is is that what you eat at home is what you eat here. The only difference is that when you come here, you're getting the, the service and the experience for nothing. <laughs> so <laughs> it's not the other way around in our case. So you mentioned produce and sourcing. Sure. That brings us to like our next question. Um, 
how hard is it to find like people you step beats like your standards for what you're trying to do? It's hard. It's hard anywhere. I mean, I worked in this business other than in Nigeria, and I can tell you that produce is always a challenge, um, and you know you need to create a, a very close relationship with your suppliers and. and you know, it's, it's the quality of the produce, the timing of that produce, and the consistency. Those are the three, I think, major, obviously there's the cost, but put that aside for a minute. So those are the three major factors, I would say, that are challenging. And uh, yeah, they're, they, they are, it is tough. It's not as easy. Today, our systems, we've worked a lot on our systems, and we've, we've been in the market for a while now, and we are growing. So we are being able to create more rapports with people and they are kind of prioritizing but in a general in general in the market it is hard to get so what's like the hardest thing to find depends on your menu day. depends what day of the week it is okay so <laughs> is there any particular item on your menu that gives you a headache to find look anytime anything that's fresh uh, it's hard that's the first thing so whether it's local or imported it's it's hard to get fresh in the way that you want it to be fresh and stored properly and that's a promise that we make all our guests you know we don't freeze our food we don't freeze our meats we don't freeze our fish and um, we're, we're very proud of that fact but it's really difficult so I can't tell you it's one produce um, specifically I, 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 I'm not involved in day-to-day -day procurement so I can't tell you what's the most headache that we have but uh, but really it's a matter of which day of the week and then <laughs> you know you can definitely have a challenge on that day for that produce. Fair, fair. So I, I, there's this question we always ask our guests to like break down the cost of one item on their menu. And I know on your Instagram you say you're the inventor of chicken pops. So <laughs> 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 maybe you first tell us how you invented them. Okay. And, I, yeah, go ahead. And then how how much it costs to actually make them compared to what you see on the restaurant menu. Fair enough. First of all, I have to I have to clarify something for the record. And you guys have a, a big reach, so I'm hoping I'll, <laughs> I'll I'll do this I'll do this the right way. Um, the chicken pops they were a collective effort. I remember that the night before my role, I'll tell you very specifically about the story, and it's a story I'm very proud of. The night before our first dinner, it was the third of November 2014, and we had and it was a test dinner for 12 people. You know, it was the first time we're gonna have someone come and dine here. Okay. And we had set the menu, and we had, we were ready for everything. And just before, and I think it was around 11.30 p.m. Um, and we did a tasting, and you know, we're ready for tomorrow. And this was when the chicken pop came in and I, I told the chef that, look, there's this dish that we need to do and I'm, it's missing on our menu. And one thing led to another and I started describing the chicken pops. And he then went and, and started coming up with different, different versions of it until it looked like what I was talking about, first of all. Okay. And then it tasted really good. And eventually, you know, we agreed on that was that was it, and we called it chicken pop. And so that was the first. That's how it started. And then the next day we served it, and ever since it's been our best selling item. And so I'm very proud of saying <laughs> it's my claim to fame. <laughs> it, <Yeah>. it is. <laughs> but yeah. So so now regarding the cost, look, I don't do the costing in the company. Okay. But, you know, I'm not. I'm not the one directly involved in that, but I am the one who's involved in the pricing. And if you like, I can tell you about that because, you know, they say cost is fact and pricing is policy. And our policy towards pricing has been, you know, two pillars that we really believe in, and we apply this on everything we do, whether it's the chicken pops or cocktails or anything else. Number one, 
we must always offer value. And to offer you value, if I'm selling you something at, at 1,000 Naira or 100,000 Naira, as long as at the end of the day, you're getting the value for that money, then it's a fair price. That's the number one criteria. So when it comes to our quality of food, obviously, you know, we, we, we hold high standards and, and we do everything we can to always ensure that you know, we never compromise on quality. In terms of pricing, obviously there's, you know, there's cost and there's a profit. Um, we believe that this needs to be, all our pricing needs to be sustainable. That's the second value we have, uh, pillar we have. And, and the sustainability of, of the pricing needs to be in a way where my guest is happy to pay that money and that allows us to keep doing what we're doing. Okay. And I think we've got that right so far because, you know, it's been a few years where we're still selling those pops. So that's that's to answer that. Makes sense. And I feel like RSVP, it's, it's one of the more, more expensive restaurants in Nigeria. Well, sorry, not in Nigeria, in Lagos. Mm -hmm. But I definitely see where you're coming from that is in terms of value. Because I know if I'm paying 12,000 or 15,000 naira for this steak, I know like it's worth it for some time. You go to some restaurants and like the price doesn't really Absolutely. match it because like, oh, it's an imported steak. Or is it really an imported steak when you taste Absolutely. it? So, so I, I definitely, as Thank a consumer, you. I see where you're coming Thank from you so in much. terms of, of, of the value. If, if I may, on that point, just add one more thing to that. We take a lot of pride, not only in the freshness of our food, but also in all the all the methods we use to prepare our food. Like, all our stocks, everything, whether it's vegetable stock, fish stock, chicken stock, meat stock, we do them in-house. We don't use, you know, cubes or any other kind of thing. Uh, all our mayonnaise and sauces, everything is done in-house. Our bread is baked every day. We bake five, six types of bread every single day. Oh, the wow. brioche buns, the, you know, the pizzettas. Everything we do is, is done in-house. Our ice cream is done in-house. We use real vanillas for our vanilla beans that we do here, you know, real chocolate in our in our phone. How many staff do you have? Because this sounds like total. something like in total, this sounds like a whole army to do all of this. We are, we are. There's a reason they call it the kitchen brigade and, and the restaurant brigade. We, we are definitely a big group. We are at the moment 62 people, excluding myself and the, the front of house manager. Okay. So we're 64 in total. Um, Does yeah. that 64 include Maya? Yeah. Or she's Maya. 65th? Well, <laughs> Mine is a consultant, so you know, okay. in a way, so we don't, uh, yeah, but yeah, so we're, we're, I think all in all, we're about 64. Okay, but now that you mentioned like, doing everything in house, was that the decision from like day one? Yes. Or, okay. or a response it was to, it wasn't was a response like a to response Nigeria no, factor, no, not being able to find no, the things. The truth is, if things were easier to find, it would have made us being able to produce things easier. Oh, but, that makes sense. You know, but so it was tougher for us to make what we wanted to make, you know, but nonetheless, uh, that was from day one. We always, the, the, the type of restaurants that we, we like to go to and the type of places that we respect and admire have always been places that, you know, go through the, through the hassle and the work okay. and doing that. You know, our, our little pork sliders, when we first started them, way back uh, on our first day the pork sliders have always been on the menu you know we, we cook them in the oven overnight 12 hours and we barbecue with bourbon and whatnot and when i told the chef that's what we're doing slow cooking the pork at the time for the slider he told me why go through all that effort but that was kind of the ethos of what we want to do you know, let's mm -hmm. do that so at the end of the day you're gonna have two bites of something phenomenal you know why not so it's always been a part of our ethos 
please can you bring the prawn sriracha back back yeah you like that back <laughs> like you just reminded me because you said it was it's been on our menu please bring yeah, it back sriracha, they were popular yeah. you know we like to always update the menu um always that, play around that's actually that. one thing that i like remember the chicken logs yeah you loved it because that was the first review yeah because because uh, like, it, it gets it, it can get stale yeah sure if you do like the same thing sure over and over Sure. And I think that's one thing like I've always liked about like some restaurants that have like seasonal menus where it's like yeah. you're not going to find this on the menu in this period. Or no. Yeah, 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 definitely. And so that like, everybody just like knows and has an idea rather than okay, work year one, so we're gonna do year two, yeah. year three, year four. So exactly. I really like that you guys Thank you. switch yeah. up the menu. Yeah. We we like doing that. It's it's a lot of fun for us. I mean this is at the end of the day you do all of this to support creativity. At the end of the day, everyone who works in hospitality wants to be a creative, whether you're on the bar, kitchen, or the front of the house, whatever it is. There's there's a lot of creativity to it, so it's it's a pleasure for us to do that, you know. Yeah. I think you definitely notice that because some waiters they always have their own little creative flair. They're like when they present the plate or when they give you the menu or when they ask you how did you like it. They well, they're all supposed to be doing that, to be honest. But yeah. No, no, no. But there's some waiters I encounter and like they take it like really, Absolutely. really personal. Not Absolutely. even just at RSVP. I, sure. I like it when I see those waiters like very take pride passionate. Take your work. Absolutely. Like, did you enjoy your food? Absolutely. Please and remember these people, when you see these, these, these women and these guys that are acting that way in this business, I believe that this is, this is one of the biggest secrets to success, is just the attitude that you have. You know, when you see people like that, they're adamant on pleasing you. Those are the people that you trust to serve and that you trust them with a product or a brand. So I like them because sometimes you end up building some rapport with them over Absolutely. the course of the, the dinner or lunch Absolutely. or whatever it is Absolutely. that you have. So, I mean... I don't know if you get a, get a, get the chance to dine out a lot in like in Lagos because you're a restaurant owner. Yeah, I do. How is that experience like for you? Do people recognize you? Um, look, Lagos has a at least let me let me be fair. The Eti Osa region, if I'm talking about specifically Eco EVI, Lekki Phase One, the, the the places there's a lot of places, but. When you, if you were to, to categorize the types of places, then it becomes, um, people recognize each other a lot, you know. You tend to see a lot of familiar faces when you go to similar restaurants. The restaurants that I enjoy going to, that I believe are, are, are very good restaurants in Lagos, um, one of the reasons they're very good is because they are very hospitable, and as a result of that, they tend to be very welcoming. So I never feel uncomfortable. Okay. I never feel like it's weird or like they're treating me special because I'm a restaurant owner. On the contrary, I think because they're really good at what they do, they know how to treat me very special. Okay. So, you know, that being said, of course, I mean, we like there is always a little bit of perks every once in a while when you're in the business, and hospitalitarians tend to take care of each other and tend to be very friendly with each other. So yeah, when when a restaurant owner knows I'm coming to his restaurant or her restaurant, of course. You know, there's there's always a little bit of a gesture of extra welcome if you will, but it's always a pleasant experience. I, do, you, I, do you know what I want to do? I want to go to Salma's with you. Is <laughs> <laughs> because I'm the Because you, you have the in. You have the in. You know what to order. What to order? Yeah, definitely. That, that's uh, that's. But but even to be fair to them, they, they yeah they can help too. <laughs> Everyone, all the good places know how to how to how to help you through their experience. I know. So, okay, so you mentioned something about like restaurants and kind of like the industry. So, since everyone has been through COVID-19 together, I guess, 
what would you like to see post COVID nineteen that you think would encourage like the growth of the industry? We also did say we were like on the cusp of something great. Yes, we are, and I think we still are. I think like everything, it takes time. You know, good things come to those who wait and work on it and persevere. So yeah, uh, but what I'd like to see after COVID, I think the first the first reaction I have when I hear that question is that. I, I just want people to be very pragmatically aware of what's going on, but pragmatism being key in that sentence. There's a lot of, or there was a lot more fear and a lot of, like, you know, the world's going to explode in 20 minutes if you don't run home, put on your mask, and, you know, wash your hands kind of approach. So definitely more pragmatic uh, help in that sense. And to be fair, I believe that Lagos is doing actually a pretty good job at that when I'm comparing to what's going on in the rest of the world and even in our neighboring countries. That's true. They're, they're being very pragmatic about it, despite that we have to lock down like everywhere else. But, so that's one. Um, and I think there's a lot of things that can be done if we're talking on a... Are you asking me like as a government what, they, what can help us or, or, like, yeah, or as, people's as behavior? Like, as, like the restaurant as a restaurant, like in, like in the UK, there was the Eat Out to Help Out scheme. Sure. What, what do you think can really help us in Nigeria? Look, I don't think the solution lies in financial help in mm -hmm. any way. I think what, what we need is really it's two things. One is we need to be allowed to operate in an environment that allows us to operate. And I know I'm part of some groups that are restaurant groups and I I'm know seeing what what's happening to a lot of the, 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 the smaller restaurants, the restaurants that have less contacts or less reach or less ability to to give out some money or whatever it is, there's a lot of things that are happening on that level that are just not fair. And I think that's really hurting everyone, um, especially after what we just went through. You know, the, the industry needs a break. If anybody needs a break right now, it's hospitality. Exactly. So, you know, because the, 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 the government is helping in that sense. They are, when we went through the whole process of the certification, the Lagos safety cert process, that was a smooth process. That was actually a very friendly process. So we need more processes that are happening like that and more supervision on what's going on in terms of implementation. Okay, I've heard about stories of some restaurants being shut down because they're serving alcohol. I know that in Tanzania you can't serve alcohol, but I know that in Lagos you can. I'm serving alcohol. So on what basis do you go to my neighbor and tell him you can? So these are the kind of things. So that's on, on, on the back end. On the front end from our guests, like I said, um, it's not the end of the world. Yes, we need to be careful. You know, yes, if you're high risk, be extra careful. But washing your hands and, 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 and you know, putting hair nets and face masks, these are things that we're very familiar with in the hospitality industry. So trust us, we've not been poisoning you, we've not been hurting you. It's not now because there's a pandemic that we're going to do things like, any differently. On the contrary, like, now the only difference is we're wearing face masks. Like, oh, you have to wash now. Yeah, you have to wash your hands and, you know, don't cross-contaminate. Like, we've been doing that for hundreds of years. That's how we built our business. So I just ask people to trust. Don't worry, be pragmatic and, uh, you know, come check it out. You'll see we've done what we need to do to give you your space and to give you your peace of mind. And, uh, yeah. and to be fair, Lagos is always a step ahead. And that's one of the things you love about Lagos. For one reason or another, they're always a step ahead. And people are less scared here. People are more willing to try and go out. Uh, like I said, even the government is, 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 is taking a, a, a better approach, I find, than a lot of other places. So. To a certain extent, I think Lagos is in a better place so far than a lot of other places when it comes to restaurant industry. I mean, sometimes I always have to get over my, my COVID fear because I see that the airport is full. 
the airport are opening now and I'm like to me that seems scary but I'm like for like, I mean, life has to has to life yeah, is going that, to go on. Some, really a good. phrase I really the phrase I really hate is the new normal. And I speak to some people and they really think the pandemic is gonna go on forever. I'm like, do you really think in a hundred years people are still gonna be staying at home? Like I don't think it's gonna yeah. last our entire generation. It's one of those things where as long as if the bottom line is affected. I mean, unfortunately, everybody, we, we're in a capitalist society. Saying, there's always a solution. Like somebody figures it out. Yeah, I mean, like everything. I suppose I'm not an expert in any way in any of this uh, pandemic management or in biology or microbiology. But the only thing I do know is that at the end of the day, when when you have a challenge, when there's a when there's a crisis, and this is a lot of what we do in restaurants, we manage crisis. When there's a crisis, what you need to do is keep your head screwed on very tight, calm down. And you know, if uh, you know, reach for the nearest exit or turn off a fire or whatever it is. So in this case, I think it's just let's be very pragmatic about it again, and, and, and just uh, it's not be overtaken with the fear, because a lot of people I think are are doing that, and it's not always for the good of them. That makes sense. Well, now it's lunchtime, so thank, thank you. you so much, Nahi. Thank you guys for having me. It's such thank a pleasure. You. Always a pleasure talking to you, Lagos. So, thank you and. Follow RSVP on Instagram. RSVP Lagos. I don't even know why I'm saying that. Thank you. We appreciate it. Promotion. RSVP Lagos. Promo- promotion. Order from them. Corona was, was bad. Everybody needs a break. Don't eat rice at home. Okay.